I still worry about that every day. I still catch myself like I can't, you know, like I shouldn't be saying that or shouldn't be thinking that because, you know, how would you feel? You know, that's how I always want to parent my child. It's like, how would I feel? How did I feel when my parents said this? Well, you didn't feel like the best person in the world. So why would I do it to my kids? So. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Day After. If you're just tuning in when we publish this, then, well, it's the holiday season. And when the whole world tells us to be full of joy and excitement and cheer, sometimes some of us, we just can't capture that. And it's a really hard and challenging fucking time of year. So if that's you, welcome. You're not alone because you're in a community that gets it and that understands it. And we appreciate you being here. In today's episode, we will dive uh, deep into the journey of Demetrios as he opens up about losing his mom to cancer. And he gives us insights into the complexities of the relationships that he had and the transformative power of vulnerability. We're really grateful that he came on and was so open and so personal with us. And we hope you enjoy it and you find some comfort in knowing that you are not alone during this holiday season. Cheers. My mother, she passed away in 2009 to cancer. She fought for 10 years. In the end, it just got her. <laughs> uh, in so in no uncertain mm-hmm. terms. So that's why I'm here. I saw Ashley posted on LinkedIn about the podcast and I reached out to her at work. And she asked me if I would be okay talking about it. And it's kind of the first time I actually am to people that aren't close to me. So it's a kind of a big, big moment for me personally. I kind of know if you believe in the whole spiritual type thing uh, i think she is around this week my brother is getting married on friday so yeah it's, yeah pretty emotional so yeah glad i'm doing it damn it, i thought i'd get cut without crying holy cow you believe that yeah <laughs> wow okay <laughs> wow is this your younger brother demetrius my younger brother yeah he's 37 he's in arkansas he just got into residency down there so building his life with his fiance. And yeah, you know, I know she'd be proud. So was she there when you got married out of curiosity? No, she was not. I was married in 20, 2015. She was not there. She was in no night. I wish my wife actually never met her. I had, I had good reason mm-hmm. for that. I knew if I brought her around early, they would ask me, why aren't you dating her already? So it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> keeping her at a distance from the family. Mm. If you're, I'm Greek, so it's kind of like a thing, you know, <laughs> kind of have to like, yeah. you know, be careful who you yeah. bring around. <laughs> so it, you're Italian, right? <laughs> Ashley and CJ, you guys are Italian. I'm sure you guys yeah. know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So they never met, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. again, it'd be a approval. It, it wouldn't be a thing. So would have been nice. You know, that's one of the things I have an issue with, with this whole <laughs> with losing my mom was that whole thing, you know, her not seeing her kids get married. I thought that was, you know, one of the many reasons, you know, it hurt. So it's you and your brother. Do you have any other siblings? Just me and my brother. And how old were you guys when, when your mom passed? 23. Yeah. And she was diagnosed when I was 14. I think I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. That makes, that makes most. Yeah. I was a sophomore in high school when she was diagnosed. She fought for 10 years, came back four times. I don't know the long 
term name for it. It's sarcoma, it's called. If you look up sarcoma, it's a very aggressive cancer. I believe it started in her uterus, went away for a few years, and came back in her kidneys, I believe. And she had surgery so many times. It, mm-hmm. it was an up and down thing with her. So 10 years of that. And it finally went to her pancreas and basically a death sentence at that point. So it was only a few months after that. Yeah. Do you remember the time that she got diagnosed? I do. I do. It was around, I think it was like October because she was getting ready to take me to school and like she just wasn't getting up. Like she was just in pain. And I'm like, you know, mom, what's going on? You know, I didn't think of anything, you know, this crazy. So I thought it was just like the flu. And that's what she thought too. And, you know, she went to the doctor and did a test. And I remember it was, Create was a, the test was around like Christmas. I remember people left there. People were at the house, mm-hmm. like my cousins and my family were over for, they always would come over for Christmas, you know, from St. Louis and they had left because the holidays were over and I figured mom got in the test, you know, whatever. And they all came back and I'm like, they're coming back. Like for what? Like, I didn't know at this point, mom had been to the doctor mm-hmm. and I hadn't, I, didn't, I was home from school and I didn't, hadn't known any of this so i'm like why are they coming back and then put two and two together you know my mom right when she like saw me she started crying and i'm like what the hell's going on and they said the c word and i'm like oh wow okay this is Mm -hmm. shit just got real you know (laughs) like right quick snap so you become a man right there you know as the firstborn as i found out so and then you know she fought that time and years up and down yeah, I wish I could say more, but it was just, you know, struggle, you know. But then again, you know, she had those good years mm-hmm. in between, you know, where she was in remission. You know, she had gained weight and, you know, she was traveling with her twin sister. You know, they were having a great time. My parents mm-hmm. actually had to go on vacation one time together without any complications. And it was a great time. You know, that's what they wanted. They left me at the store. We had a cleaners at the time. You know, that's what they, you know, that's why you have the firstborn son take over the business. Yeah. You know, that goes. <laughs> but I was happy to do it. They were happy. And that, that was the plan. I was willing to go along with it, you know, build the empire. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but, you know, those curveballs come. And after that, after she passed, I couldn't be in the business. I couldn't be anywhere near anything family business related. You know, it was just too much for me. I don't know how my father continued mm-hmm. doing it, but, you know, he had no choice. When you say like you had to become the man of the house, like how did your life change from, you know, 14 to 18? Like those are really formative years, high school years for, for somebody. Do you like, have you looked back and, and understood like ways in which life had changed and how you had to grow up so fast suddenly? I knew, always knew, you know, once I heard that word, like it would fall on me. That's just kind of the way the dynamic was. My dad was dependent on my mother. She was the rock of the family. And I couldn't expect Mm -hmm. my little brother at the time to do anything except be a little brother, which I was okay with. And I thought at the time I was okay with being the rock for my father as well as my mother at the time. It was just thrown on me. It's just the way the dynamic was, you know, like not... It's always connected to family. You know, I know it is. I don't want to dog. I want to make this about my mother, but there is other things involved with her death Mm -hmm. that affected me. 
one of them was the responsibility I felt mm. after. I don't think that was fair of my father to put that on me after her death, during her death. You know, like, who, who was I crying to? Nobody, because everyone was crying to me. You know, yeah. right. my mom was coming to me. My mm. mom was actually so selfless and so loving and, you know, caring. Her biggest worry about all of this was us taking care of my father after he was gone. Like she's on her deathbed and I'm like, mom, like calm down. We'll be okay. Like knowing deep down inside, we might not be like, what the hell am I going to tell her at that point? Mm. I'm already pissed off that I'm going through this with her. No one's asking about me, including my mom. Do I fault her for that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I was. That's just how I was raised. So you said 14 to 18. It was more like 14 to like 30. I skipped my twenties. Like it was forget college. You know, I got into Michigan mm -hmm. state. I got into all the colleges I wanted to get into. I never told my mom, she would have told me to go, but there was no way I could do that. You know, I would feel guilty. And mm -hmm. again, it's, I don't know how I would have handled it how my father and everybody would have handled it, but I felt I had to stay. Then again, you know, Everything happens for a reason. Would I be here talking to you guys if I didn't stay? Would I have the family I do now? Would I, you know, be the person I am now? Probably not. So, you know, there's always a silver lining. Yeah, it's interesting that it comes up actually pretty often when people have a loss in around the age that you did. And it's always that question of like, do I go to college? Do I go to that next phase of my life or don't I? And it's been interesting to hear kind of people's journeys in that. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any one right answer, but it's, it's interesting that like everything fell to you immediately since 14. And I wonder, you know, it's been 14 years, I think you said. So how is that like impacted your life now, like in, in growing into the man that you are knowing that you had 10 years, which is a massive amount of time of caring for an entire family and for a, a sick mom. It's, you don't even, like, I just started recently thinking back on it. Kind of the reason why I feel comfortable talking to you guys. Like, I had stuff I had to get mm. through. Like, you know, talking to people, you know, just letting it out. You know, personal stuff I had to get through. I didn't even yeah. realize I, I was going through, like, it was just life. You know, I was supposed to be that stressed. I was supposed to be that worried. You know, I'm, that's, that's what you do. You fight through it. You don't, you don't stop and talk about it. You don't, you don't think you just keep going. Like, you know, why are you going to cry about it? No one's going to care, you know, stuff like that. You know, all that gets to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I was until recently, I was, you know, very overweight, very not unhappy, mm -hmm. but you know, I would look to food as like my comfort. And I did that throughout my twenties. I was a very active oh. child. I was a very active person. As soon as my mom got sick, I just got this, this depression. I don't know if it was depression. I don't know what it was. It was just a dependency on, you know, like food never talked back to me. Food never told me what to do. Food never expected things from me. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like my thing, 20 yeah. years of, you know, just being, you know, I'm just recently getting over that, you know, it was kind of like a, I had to dig deep and, you know, realize that, you know, those 10 years my mom was sick. Yeah, I was the rock, but 
it just got harder after, honestly, like being, you know, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep everyone together, you know, you know, like she did, it was, it was tough, you know, and that was, it, it, it sucked to tell you the yeah. truth. I felt like personally, I didn't have anyone to turn to. And, you know, I, you know, I had a couple of cousins, you know, we'd go out, mm-hmm. you know, I got us, you know, shout out to, you know, the, the one cousin, he knows who he is. He kept me together and my brother, obviously. But other than that, I felt alone, you know, it wasn't, and I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, I don't know if I could blame anybody for that. Cause that was just, maybe that's just how, you know, people were. And at that time, it's like, if you don't want to be there for me, then, you know, excuse my language, but fuck you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I don't know if we could swear or anything, but that's how yeah, I felt. Like, I, ha- I have to call you to tell you I'm sad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to. Right. If I have to call you to tell you I'm sad, and mm-hmm. that's that, maybe it was an ego thing. Maybe it was a, you know what I mean? I don't, want to, I don't want you to be the person that I'm sad to. It was just, but that's how I felt. So, and that's why I don't open up to many people. Mm-hmm. It's like, got to know if you're real or not. Like, you guys have been through it. You know, you guys know exactly what I'm feeling, yeah. even worse. You know, I mean, losing a parent mm-hmm. sucks. CJ, you know, I, I read, you know, I, I can't imagine, man. I just can't imagine. Like, it breaks my heart. So mm. we gotta, we gotta talk more often, Demetrius. It's <laughs> 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 like, literally, I feel like so much things that I had felt going through, although I was a little bit younger when she passed and things like that, but it was, a little bit similar circumstances in the sense that obviously still a very different situation, but the oldest daughter though, for my dad, I was my mom's second oldest, but it just like, just a lot of responsibility. And I don't even know that it was something that like my dad like put on me. Like, I think it was something that I just took upon myself to feel like I had all this like responsibility to, you know, help keep people together to help make sure my dad was happy to make sure my siblings were happy so i totally resonates with that i noticed my daughter did that she's my oldest and it was like it was subtle and not so subtle and i i like tried to work really hard to make sure like hey i'm the dad i I love you guys but like you have to grieve in your own way i'm good let me like i have a support system you don't need my to be my support system but it was immediate, right? Like the first day that we got in the car after my wife died, she sat in the front. Like there was just all these subtle ways where she was like trying to like, I think in her brain, you know, she was young. She was, she's 15 now. So she was 12 or 13. And at that age, she was just like almost subconsciously trying to fulfill that role of like, okay, mommy's gone. So now yeah. like I'm going to to take on that role. Like it seems like such a natural thing. And you know, and, and from my perspective, it's on the parent to set those boundaries, right? To be like, hey, like, I recognize yeah. that this is happening. Maybe you don't, yeah. but like, let's let's talk about this. Let's deal with this. Yeah. And then that sense, Demetrius, what you were talking about with, you know, basically like, fuck you. If people don't want to like be able to sit with your grief, that happened almost immediately with me where I was just like, you know what? This grief is my own. And then there are a few people who I will share it with and open with. Otherwise, I don't want to deal with anybody because there just felt like so much judgment and all these things that people would put on me or like 
how are you doing? But what they're really asking is, are you okay? So we can just pretend like everything's yeah. fine and we can like move forward and like you could be the same person you were before. And it's like, well, fuck you. I'm not. So if you don't want to sit with me in this, then I don't want to talk to you about it. Yeah. There's all, there's that. There was radio silence from some people, like promises were made, you know, mm. we're always going to be there for you, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, you know, from people I expected, no, nothing less from because that's how I grew up. We were very, very, very tight. It's yeah. hard to talk about my mom without talking about my cousins and my family and everything. And she was the glue. Mm. She was the glue, obviously, because ever since she was gone, hasn't been the same, at least to me. And, you know, I can't yeah. blame anybody again for any of that because that was my stuff going through it. I never told anybody, you know, I didn't know how to express my frustration at that age. And I really, at that point, didn't give a shit to because I was dealing with my mom dying and yeah. whatever. So it's hard for me to like hold grudges or being like mad. It's just the way it is, you know? But again, if anybody had picked up the phone and called me at that point and said, Hey man, how are you? Mm. Let's grab a beer. I was there. I have friends to this day because of those times that were still tight, like friends did it. Mm. Why, you know, I felt neglected and, you know, and that hurt, that hurt way more you know, it added on to the grief. It did. I felt like I was losing an entire family instead of just my ma. And I know she wouldn't have liked that, yeah. but you know, it is what it is at that point. And it took a while for me to get over it. Yeah. You know, it's built myself up. I have a, you know, beautiful son, beautiful wife. Now I'm enjoying life. So, you know, I know she's happy for my, you know, she's up there watching yeah. over me and she's, you know, looking out for my brother too. So, I'm curious about your relationship with your brother. You've mentioned him a few times now, and it seems warm-hearted when when you mention his his name or, or mention my mm -hmm. brother. What was it like going through this and knowing that you have to be protecting him, and then she passes, and then you know, essentially, you're trying to move into adulthood physically, like even though emotionally you were there. What is that? How has that a re relationship evolved, and what was it like early on when going through all the cancer? With my brother, we were always we were really close. Nintendo, basketball, you know, rivalry, you know, all that. Uh, that didn't really change when my mom passed away. I became more of a more protective, if that was, if that's the case, if that's if that's, if that's uh, possible. I don't know how that would be possible, but I felt like it was like, all right, now he doesn't have a mom anymore, and he's just entering high school. It's you know, we have to. I got to take care of him, you know. And I just missed him by a year. He went to Lane Tech. He got in and I graduated. So if I had just, if it was one year, he would have had a senior as a brother. It would have been so awesome. But we missed each yeah. other. <laughs> we missed each other by a year. But yeah, it was, we're always tight. You know, it's hard for me not to, to talk about him without getting emotional, especially with him being getting married now. But I always thought he was like, mm. he should be a better version of me. You know, like if you know, I'm 1.0, like, you know, he can be 2.0. You know, if I'm the role model, right? Like yeah. he looked up to me, he looked up to me at everything he imitated me he tried to do everything i did why not make him a little bit the advanced version you know that's how i always felt that would i would have to take great pride in my brother yeah you know i take great pride in my brother he became a doctor that's awesome you know i'd rather have that than me being a doctor you know i take pride in him you know what i'm saying like it's so yeah, yeah. always always have his back always you know little brother he can he can do no wrong to to me <laughs> which is <laughs> you know it's little brother get away with anything did you have any of that ashley with your siblings 
yeah, I always felt like I was kind of looking out for them and not like wanting to be their mom, but like just wanting to make sure that they felt loved, I guess, mm. and taken care of. And, you know, like they had like those, those times when she like wasn't there or those things. Like I even think about like my brother having to do like his, you know, dance at his wedding, like without his mom, which I, Sorry to bring that up to me, Shrips, because I know that that is like literally Friday for you. But that makes me like incredibly sad, you know? Yeah, it's, I went through it. He's going to have to go through it. You know, I don't know who he's going to pick for it. I don't yeah. know what's happened with that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like in a way, I, I well, I, not in a way, I definitely did have that where I just felt like I wanted to make sure my siblings were taken care of. And I'm sure they were like very annoyed by that. <laughs> maybe not yeah there were times where he got annoyed yeah i got annoying he got annoyed to me it was still a brother it was still little brother older brother you know at the same time which did it did in the beginning it did get weird you know but once high school hit and i went to college and you know girls started becoming a topic it was that was it we bonded and it was you know it was like a roommate basically that's kind of how it was with my father and my brother. We were like roommates. It wasn't even like a, f- didn't even feel like father, son, brother anymore. It was just roommates. Mm. Did he go on to date or get remarried? Your dad? Yes, he did. Oh, he did. How was that? <laughs> do you, do you have another, another podcast, another hour and a half we can? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> a good idea for the future because i feel like that's another topic that can- part two of the maravillia <laughs> saga right yeah let's so to put it fairly my father and i always kind of had like a rocky relationship losing my mom kind of brought out my i don't say weaknesses or my to- intolerances for him and his tolerances for me like we had no buffer anymore yeah and we clashed a lot and it got to the uh, point where right now he's not in my life. I haven't spoken to my father in eight years since since the the night of my wedding. Actually, he oh wow, it was just yeah. So I have I have no relationship with my father. So that adds another layer to this weekend. Me seeing him for the first time in quite some time. My brother mm. knows. You know, we talked about it and. You know, my wishes, I hope my wishes are, you know, met from my father's side and, you know, stay on your side and I'll stay on mine. And it's about my brother that day. And I really don't want to get into any of our stuff. So, so yeah, yeah. that's, that was, as soon as I lost my mom, it was kind of like, I, I don't get along with this guy. I love him, but I just don't get along with him. Yeah. It's a, it was, that was a painful one to swallow too, you know, but. That's a whole other subject. We don't have to get into that one. I I would def I would love to talk about that if you guys want to, but this is about mom, not about dad. <laughs> yeah, I almost like I have I like almost have a sense that like you essentially even though you weren't had a even though you didn't have a great relationship with him, you really lost both your parents when your mom passed. Yeah. I I've, I've kind of felt he lost himself too a little bit. To be fair, he didn't know he didn't know how to handle it either Mm. she was the parent most of our lives you know the first 10 years of my life my dad barely saw us he worked at a factory you know what i mean then they got the cleaners and he was around more but you know it wasn't like we had an influence of him every day growing up it was my mom and her side you know so i kind of you know 
looking back and reflecting, I kind of think that's where our issues kind of started. You know, he came home at, you know, when I was 10 and he was home every day and I was this, this type of way when maybe he wanted a son that was that type of way, his mold. I was my, I was a mama's boy, man. At that point, you know, I saw the good in everybody. I would rather risk you screwing me over than me feeling bad. I didn't give you a chance. My dad's the opposite of that. My dad's protective. Don't trust anybody. Everyone's out to get you. I can't live like that. And that we clashed a lot after my mom was, was gone. So what the hell they saw in each other when I have no idea. That's a whole other, whole other thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm curious too. You so you said it's been eight years. So you got married, and that was the last time you, you've spoken mm-hmm. with him. You also mentioned earlier that this has been a recent and recent to me is you know three to five years of this kind of healing and this journey of you like really exploring your grief and trying to work through this and everything that you've gone through. Do you think there's a correlation to where you finally had that influence out of your life that gave you this space? to start this healing or is that just coincidence? I think that was the first step. Even just not talking though, it took three, two or three years to finally be like, dude, he's not even like reaching out. He's not even trying to, you know, yeah. so it was like, why am I worried? Why am I the one that's always, you know, it got to the point where I'm like, hold on, it's 50, 50, you know? And then I'm like, wait, I'm the son. It should be 90, 10, the parent, you know, we're not equal. You know, why is, why is it on me? And it it took off forever to get to that point. And once I got there, it was just, yeah. Why do I need people like that in my life? I don't, it doesn't matter that you birthed me, that you were my father. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter to me. You have to earn your place in my life, I guess. And it's not hard. Just show action, show you care. Like, you know, I'm a very easygoing, open guy. But don't expect much if you don't give me much. And if that makes me an asshole, sorry. I have people in my life that I don't have time to see and I want to see. You know what I mean? Like, why would I make time for people that don't give a shit? That's all. And unfortunately, my father fell into that category. So Yeah, it's always a tricky part with with family. I think like we, we have like these expectations put on us that... Oh, they're family. So that means you automatically have to have a relationship and it's supposed to be good. But it's like, is that true? Right. Cause it's like, I have friends who are so dearly close to me. And like you said, like I'd rather spend time with them than some other folks. And that is more fulfilling in my life. And just because somebody shares my same last name or has the same blood as me, I don't like, yeah, I kind of came to that same place too of like, does it really, mean i'm supposed to it'd be great if we were close but we're sometimes you're not like yeah you don't have to force it right what did the healing look like for you like what are some of the things you you did or like how did you first recognize like okay i need to start doing some some work and whatever work is for you on yourself well for me personally it was my weight i was getting to the point where I could like my knees hurt walking and I was 35 Mm. and I'm like, this is not the way to go. And then the real tipping point was we were uh, the best man to uh, my best friend at his wedding and we danced, Greek danced and I could only do 
like one time around and I was out of breath. Mm. And I'm like, this is not good, man. Like you can't be doing this. I think, yeah, I was unhappy, just not unhappy, but you know, not even, I don't know if called depressed. I was just in my own feelings about everything. I wasn't right mentally. That was it. You know, I was like, okay, I got to start, you know, getting my, my head right. And then the push, the honestly, what pushed me over was having Orion, you know, my son, yeah. like I, I have to be around for him. I can't, I can't not be here another 40, 50 years, you know, and I, if it's just me getting myself looking deep in myself and finding what's wrong with me and getting to the point where I can be healthy, you know, feel healthy, you know, feel around, feel happy. He, he, he deserves that. He doesn't deserve anything less. So that was kind of my motivation. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's how, I mean, it's not as deep as, you know, some people, but, you know, I didn't, you know, no, picked up, you know, picked up hobbies. You know, I still have basketball. I still play video games. You know, my wife's been an incredible support system, but, you know, sometimes you just have to look in the mirror and say, you know, you're not happy with what you're seeing. It's been 20 years. Yeah. Let's do something about it, man. Let's just do something about it. And I did. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. I'm curious what, so you mentioned marriage, child, what at that point when you got married and then I think more specifically when you, when you had a child or knew that you were having a child, was there anything that came up for you of now you're going to be a parent and everything that you've gone through? And what was your approach to that? Man, I was scared. <laughs> I'm sure as every father to be is, but you know, losing my mom, you know, there was that whole, not the health scare. I knew it wasn't genetic, but you know, it creeps in your head, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, is the kid, kid going to be healthy? And then with the whole, you know, like you said, I lost both parents, you know, I have to be sure I'm not you know, take the good from my mom and the good from my dad and not the bad, you know? So there's always that, that worry. I still worry about that every day. I still catch myself like I can't, you know, like I shouldn't be saying that or shouldn't be thinking that because, you know, mm -hmm. how would you feel? You know, that's how I always want to parent my child's like, how would I feel? How did I feel when my parents said this? Well, you didn't feel like the best person in the world. Yeah. So why would I do it to my kid? So yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to change, but <laughs> it's uh, it's an ongoing process, that's for sure. And how old is, how old is he now? He's 17 months. Oh, wow. 17 yeah. months. Yeah. In the thick of it right now. He's 17 months, but he's, yeah, he's the size of a three-year-old, which is really awesome, but we're, yeah, he's 30 pounds. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> He's awesome though. He's the best. You know, look, you have, a, you have a shitty day. You come, you come home and he smiles at you. It's over. It's the best. <laughs> Is there anything that you've noticed that comes up in your relationship with your wife? Or I think more specifically, just you guys parenting, right? So I know for me, different situations, obviously, but so much of what goes through my head and what I see happens with my kids are if there's anything that feels remotely dangerous to them. They're just like, please don't do that, daddy. You can't do that. Please don't do that. Like I had a motorcycle and they're like, please don't ride your motorcycle anymore. Like all these things oh, where man. they get really, really nervous. Right. And so I don't, I, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast before, but my middle child, 
six months after my wife died, I ended up getting diagnosed with a, a rare nerve tumor. And so he had to go through all of that and everything. Oh and then we had to get surgery. We didn't know if it was cancerous. Thank God it wasn't. And that was a whole month long process while he was still God. early in his grief. But yeah, so like I've noticed my kids get very, very um, anxious around what I'm doing. So I've had to learn to kind of adjust to that and let go of it to be like, you know what? Like, I don't need to do some of these things. Not that I'm like a huge risk taker, but like even the appearance of it or, you know, there's a lot of different things, but I'm just curious if things came up for you as a dad or like, oh my gosh, I, I can't imagine like him losing me. I wouldn't want him to go through that or like losing my wife. Like do any of those things kind of come into your, your thought patterns? Yeah. Like I, it's weird. Like just randomly, like I would just be, you know, driving to work and be like, mm -hmm. be careful, you know? Yeah. You have a son now, you know, don't, don't cut that guy off, you know, even little shit like that. Yeah. It hits me at random times like that. You know, yeah. I don't have motorcycles. I'll never get on one. I will never go skydiving. He doesn't got to worry about <laughs> me doing any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it just hits me at the random, you know, like, you know, if we have a flight coming up, we got to go somewhere, you know, it's like, do I really have to go? You know, it's not that, you know, it's you, you, you think like that. Maybe you don't, maybe I'm crazy, but you know, just shit like that happens. Like, you know, do I really have to make this trip or do I, do I really want to do this? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that just, cause like, I don't know. Is that cause like, I want to be home with him all the time and I miss him. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's hard to tease out. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Literally changed my entire life just to prioritize having those moments with the kids. Cause it's just going to go so fast. And we, we really separated when my wife died and I just went into my own kind of space and had to just deal with my grief. And each of my three kids kind of went into their own space and it took, I mean, a good two years for us to really come back together. And I think this year I finally feel like we're, an actual functioning close family again. Nice. And it's interesting, like it obviously is correlated to all the healing and the work that I've done, which has been so fucking painful. But yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, we, we go through these experiences and we just are like, okay, we know it's important in life. And once we identify it, we want to prioritize and do everything we can in our life to make sure that we have that. That's it. Yeah. Well said. It's like you're on a podcast or something. We should start a podcast. <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about like your mom specifically a little bit and, and maybe right. not so much. Yeah. Let's get back to the subject. Of mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing that we like to ask people is, do you have any, uh, rituals or just things that you do to connect with her. So you mentioned, you know, you believe that she's watching over you and it's interesting because I don't know what my spiritual beliefs are, but I do have a sense that Ariana, my wife is here. I talk to her every day. I believe she's watching over and she's orchestrating things for me. So I'm curious, like if you have rituals or things you do of like, okay, I want to connect with mom and I'm going to go do this thing. And it reconnects me with her. Reconnecting. I just, talk to her mm. if that's yeah you know like like a check-in like hey ma how you doing like type of thing 
I don't know if people hear me. I don't know if it works. It just makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, it could yeah. be in the car. I have a few different songs that remind me of her. If I want to like let out a good cry or whatever, yeah. you know, I play those and, you know, we kind of, or just memories of she made mm-hmm. me laugh, you know, we'd get high together. You know, it was, you know, she was like my best friend. So mm-hmm. it was, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so it was, you know, I missed her. I miss her a lot. You know, she'd, she'd be having a blast right now. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. yeah, that's hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's the toughest part is how would she be now? It'd be awesome, um, you know? Yeah. <sighs> She'd love the shit out of her grandson. I can get her more pot easily now. So <laughs> she'd love that. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's the toughest part, I think, is missing her now. Because I know she'd be happy with how I turned out. Mm. Maybe not the road I took to get there. There was little bumps here and there, but I'm here. And my brother, you know, I think she'd be proud of him too. So, Mm. yeah. I guess the other thing that I'm curious about too, from both of your perspectives, because, you know, you guys both have similar experiences. What is it like in for you to share that grief with your partners? So your wife and then with, with your boyfriend? Yeah. What are those moments like? I think, well, for me, Nate also lost his dad at a young age. He was seven. So I think we just, we kind of have our, our rituals over our, you know, traditions actually is probably a better word. So on like both of the anniversary we go out, you know, like sometimes it changes, but like, you know, this year for Nate's dad's anniversary, we went and got, he found Wex at a place that him and his dad would go. And, you know, I do like, we do various things like go out to dinner and things like that for my mom's anniversary and her birthday. And so we kind of just make sure that we always celebrate the person, mm. you know, in a way that we, what if they were alive? You know, obviously we're celebrating the day they died, but like, we're, you know, we're celebrating their birthdays, things like that. And, I will just tell stories and share photos. Like when, mm. you know, when we'll talk about uh, our past or our childhood or a story comes up and obviously my, I'm not, it's not obvious, but I've spoken about this, but my, my family, my mom's family, we're all still very close and see each other for holidays and things like that. So even like introducing that him to them and like him being a part of that family, I feel like it's just another way in which, you know, they help keep her memory alive too. Like they tell him stories about her. So, and I think it'll change as, you know, like we get married and we have kids like they're, you know, at our wedding, I'm sure we'll, you know, honor both of them. But I think we just both do our best to like always make space for them. Yeah. So I'm curious what it looks like for you when you're having a few things like a moment where you're having a difficult moment missing your mom or something triggered that. What does it look like for your relationship with your wife? Like, how do you feel supported in those moments? And then how do you share your mom with your wife? (laughs) Well, it's actually interesting. My wife, before she became my girlfriend, my fiance, my wife, she friend zoned me. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) For about, 
you know, like I said, you know, we were friends, you know, I didn't want to bring her around, but in her eyes, she friends owned me and that, that, that's the public story. So we're going to go with that, <laughs> but we share, we, we share the fact that both our moms have the same b- birthday, wow. December 20th. Yeah, yeah. So she reached out to me one year on Facebook, actually, she said, happy birthday to our moms. And this was a few years we hadn't talked you know, we hadn't talked for whatever reasons, you know, she was doing her thing, I was doing my thing, and that's how we reconnected. So you could say our mothers brought us together in a way by being born on the same day. How crazy is that? She's very, she's always been very understanding of it. We were friends when my mom did pass away. She did say she would have loved to be there at the funeral, but I didn't want to deal with having her there, mm. having other people there that I'd have to explain why this friends, you know, I was just like, I don't want to deal with any of that, please. I thank you. You know, it's appreciated, but let me just get through this. So she's always been the best, you know, I wouldn't be here today if I wasn't for my wife. So she's held me together for quite a number of years. So I do owe her another person I got into gear for was my wife. So mm. yeah, <laughs> I w- she doesn't, it was very tough for her in the beginning. She didn't have anything to like compare it to, you mm. know, tragically losing anybody like that. She did go through something with her grandmother. She had Alzheimer's, which in and of itself is where I, you know, I've seen both and Alzheimer's might just be the only worst thing than cancer. Mm-hmm. Seeing someone lose their mind, just not know who they are right in front of you. That's, yeah. that was horrible. So she's been through that. So, you know, I'm there for her for that. You know, I kind of, she's the expert on the grief. You know, she comes <laughs> to me sometimes, you know, because I've been through it a little bit more. But yeah, she's been my rock. So, you know, and I kind of needed that. I really needed that to get over my thing, my mom passing and all that. You know, I needed someone to, you know, be there for me. Like I was lacking mm-hmm. that my whole, the whole time. So. You know, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Got to laugh about it at some point. Yes. The other question that we like to ask is, do you have any one piece of advice for somebody who is in your shoes and has gone through what you've gone through? Or how to support somebody who's gone through what you've gone through? Find something you're motivated at and stick to it, I would say. That was you know, right when my mom died, I got into computers after college, basically. I was an econ major and I didn't want to do anything with that. And right when she died, I said, all right, I have to get something to distract me, basically. And I did. If you could afford it, if you could, if you have the time, again, some people like you, you have families, you can't just stop what you're doing and go to school like I did. But that's what I did. Find something to get your mind at least for a few hours a day off of your grief just so you could be a regular human not to say that you shouldn't grief but doing it all day it didn't really help me yet in the beginning it was just a whole cycle of you know just bad decisions just find something you're motivated at and stick with it and then another friend of mine told me stop thinking it's gonna get back to normal just accept that it's a new normal mm-hmm. and she had gone through something similar more so to you, Ashley, she, her, her father died a little younger, but 
her saying that, you know, to this day, it still resonates with me. It's a new normal. And I tell everybody that, you know, is losing anybody, you know, don't think of it like, you know, not even a new chapter. It was a new book for me. Like that life was over. So it took years to get over, but again, maybe I'm not the one to look for, for motivation or for <laughs> how to get through it, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm here. So yeah, that's my advice. Just we, 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 we understood the word, the phrase new normal before it became a thing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, oh, is, is it a thing now? Like, I'm it sorry. Is, is, yeah. is it something? Is it? Oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was new normal. I was new normaling in 2009. So yeah. that's-, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious if there is, if you were able to, to take a moment here before we, we finish up and maybe thinking about your 14, 15 year old self, or even your 23 year old self after losing your mom, what would you say to him? What would he have wanted to hear? If I could see him right now, just that you're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. No matter how dark, no matter how depressed, no matter how just weird and mad you get you'll get through it you're gonna find a way and maybe you know some they people used to tell me people that you know were consoling me that you know these tests are only put through two people that will that can get through them and it's oh like, god yeah yeah well <laughs> Yeah, I roll right. Yeah, like why am I? Who who picked me? Why why did I get in that line? You know, all those questions. Yeah, exactly. But you know, if you think the other side of it, that you know what, fuck yeah, I am fucking strong enough to get through it because I fucking did get through it. So yeah, mm -hmm. you know what? Maybe there's some bullshit crap reason for that to saying to be true, but I'm here. I guess that's why I would tell them. You know, like we wouldn't have time to talk about everything that happen from 14 to 40. <laughs> yeah. The bottom line is you're going to get through it and you're going to be happy. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing. And I hope your brother's wedding is beautiful. And I hope your dad doesn't get in the way of that and that you get to enjoy that time. Well, thank you guys for having me. Anytime you guys want to talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Day After. You can find this podcast and more at our website at www.thedayafter.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.